One thing that I bet we could all agree on is that there's a lot of conflicting information about health. Wouldn't it be nice to have some clarity on the foundational aspects of health? With all the confusion, it's easy to lose sight of the basic principles that create abundant health. Well, that's what Dr. Monique and I are covering in this episode. As a naturopathic doctor, she has established five pillars of health that she lives by and teaches her clients. After practicing for 12 years, she has seen these principles change her patients' lives time and time again. Today, you're going to get some free advice that could have a tremendous impact on your lifelong health. Welcome to the Daily Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa Meredith. I've led my family on a transformative health journey for over a decade, and now I help other families do the same. So this is a place where you can learn about healthy living and take the next step in your wellness journey. Dr. Monique, thanks for joining me. Thank you so much for having me, Melissa. I'm excited to get to know you more. So could you kind of share a little bit of your story and how you got to where you are today? Certainly. Well, I'm a naturopathic doctor and about eight, when I was about eight years old, um, I developed chronic urticaria, which is just hives. I got hives every single day. Um, it started on a summer vacation, just woke up and my family at the time uh, took me to see um, kind of like a, a a natural practitioner, which was a, actually an iridologist uh, who gave me some really good insight. However, the plan that he put me on uh, didn't actually, um, it wasn't sustainable for my family at that time, very expensive, lots of supplements, and it really didn't do anything to my uncomfortableness of the the hives on a daily basis. So uh, that kind of faded out and we couldn't follow up. Uh, when I came back from vacation, I went and I saw allergists, pediatricians, and no one could understand what was going on, why I was having these chronic hives. So fast forward uh, some years later in high school, I always wanted to become a doctor still struggling with the highs. And when I finally made it to um, the med, well, the pre-med program of my choice, um, I realized two years in that I actually didn't want to become uh, an allopathic doctor. I, I didn't feel like uh, allopathic medicine had a solution for what to me seemed like a very benign situation. It was just chronic hives, just Daily hives. I mean, I, I wasn't passing out. I, I wasn't having anaphylactic shock. Uh, I was just swelling up everywhere, every single day. It didn't matter what I ate. I could eat, you know, macaroni and cheese today and have a really severe uh, breakout. And then next week I could have mac and cheese and I'd be totally normal, you know? So it was like, there was no rhyme or reason to it. So I thought, well, you know, I want, I want to help people get well really well and change their lives. So this is this is not panning out to be kind of the direction I want to go into. Uh, so thankfully, I had a really good friend at that time uh, who was in the same program as me. And she was changing direction as well. But she gave me some really good advice. She was like, Google natural medicine. I, I found out that you could be a doctor of like natural medicine. And so I did. And I went to an open house at uh, the University of Bridgeport College of Naturopathic Medicine 
Um, in fact, I went to two open houses just because <laughs> it was so to make sure. <laughs> yeah, I have to be certain about it. And like I'd never heard about naturopathic medicine, practicing homeopathy and uh, herbal medicines and vitamins. Like that was all new to me. So uh, I was like, you know, I just want to make sh- sure that the message is consistent every time I go to an open house. So um, when I went, I spoke with upperclassmen, uh, practicing doctors and uh, the school uh, dean. And it was just really eye-opening for me at that at that moment. And one of the upperclassmen who I really connected with, you know, he came over and and spoke with me and we're very similar in that he had a family, young family with kids. I didn't have kids at the time. Um, and he was commuting from the Bronx, which the Bronx, New York to Connecticut, which I would have to do uh, because at that time I was living in the Bronx. And he was like, you know, it is difficult. It's hard. <laughs> I won't lie to you. He was like, but this is the future of medicine. This is the direction it's going to go. And we're talking about in 2001, 2002 and I was like really wow and so from there I I just became more intrigued and against everyone that I knew um you know with their questions and their doubts you know we don't know anyone who practices this medicine how can you support your family do you know that you'll make a good living you know all these practical questions on their part you know came up but in my heart it didn't matter that I didn't have those answers. In my heart, I felt like this is the way I needed to go. Um, And I applied and was accepted. And the rest is really history. (laughs) Wow. I love, I mean, first of all, I'm sorry that you had to suffer so long when you were eight till when you were in high school. I mean, that's so long to suffer with that chronic issue. You know, you, you, thank you for that. But, um, I forgot to conclude that chapter of my life, actually, though it was a long time, it was well worth it because it made me, it just confirmed that I made the correct decision because when, once I enrolled in um, medical school, once I was accepted at the University of Bridgeport College of Naturopathic Medicine, I learned that the students could be seen for free by upperclassmen who were supervised by licensed doctors. So I'm thinking in my mind, this is the perfect opportunity for me to experience this medicine since no one else knows about it, right? Like now I can know, is this the right path? So I signed up and uh, I got a wonderful, uh, at the time, uh, upperclassman, now Dr. Medea T. Uh, She actually practices in Connecticut uh, currently. She's a phenomenal doctor. And she was doing the dual program, uh, naturopathic medicine and acupuncture. And when I saw her in the clinic, uh, she asked me what every doctor would ask you, you know, uh, when did it start? And I told her and I thought, well, that's weird, you know, but, you know, but anyway, um, she also gave me some acupuncture treatment. We chatted a little bit about my diet and lifestyle and things that were going on. And again, I'm a naturopathic uh, student, right? Commuting from the Bronx. I yeah. Have so if you just think about my life at the time, you know, kind of leads you to where um, she made the decision uh, to share with me by the end of that session, the first session, um, that 
I think you you're undergoing a lot of stress. And I was like, really? You think so? I feel stressed. I'm pretty happy. <laughs> Lining up well. What are you talking about? And she gave me a small protocol to follow, uh, some things to consider. And l- literally, by the time I met with her two weeks later, I was 97% improved. I didn't have to take uh, over-the-counter antihistamines every single day just to manage my um, my hives. I was more comfortable. Um, I wasn't breaking out and looking disfigured, you know, like it. It was mind blowing that I wasn't popping a pill every single day just to get through the day in just wow. under two weeks. So oh, although, you had struggled for so many years. Exactly. Exactly. But but like I said, for me, it was just like, man, I'm glad that happened that way because if you know, if I had found uh somewhat of a band-aid solution sooner, you know, then maybe I would have just stuck it out and said, Oh, well, this is good enough. But you know, but I I'm once the struggle was so long and uh, and so intense that finally when I when I got the treatment and in two weeks I had such a, a vast turnaround, I was like, this is it for sure. Yeah. I'm in this place. Yeah, I mean, that's true because you had got a big dose of modern medicine in that time period. You had seen the pediatricians and the dermatologists and the allergists and nothing had fixed you, so to speak. And so... I'm sure that really played a huge part in your decision making. And it's really kind of cool how all of that led you to where you're at today. And now you can help so many other people. Yeah, definitely. I I am so thankful for my experience. I really don't see it uh, as a struggle at all. I just see it as the reason for my conviction, you know, the reason yeah. why I am so passionate about what I do. Uh, and it just really solidified my decision at that moment in time. I was like, yes, this is exactly where I need to be. This is what I want to do. This is how I want to help. Hey, Daily Wellness listeners. I wanted to let you know about a new resource that may be a huge help to you. I became acutely aware of my emotional struggles when I got married. I didn't know how to talk about them, process them, or regulate them. Parenting was another eye-opener. Now, I not only have to figure out my emotions, but I need to help my kids process theirs as well. Is this a struggle that you can relate to? Todd Marchant, who was on my podcast a while back, along with his wife, Ashley, has created a tool to help us. Their new course gives kids and families emotional tools to navigate life well. It's a five-week series that you can try for free for seven days. You can check it out via the link in the show notes. And if you purchase it, come back and let me know because I have a free gift to add to it, answering one of the most common questions I'm asked about health and wellness. Now back to the episode. Yeah. Okay. So now fast forward to being a naturopathic doctor and practicing for 12 plus years. Um, I'm curious in the people that you are helping, can you just give us an idea of some of the struggles that you help people with? Like, what are some of the main issues that people come to you with um, hoping for solutions? Certainly. Um, Oftentimes, like people first come, you know, I'm trying to lose weight, can't lose the weight, and I'm tired, right? Um, But really, those people are not just battling weight gaining issues or um, just fatigue, but they're having digestive issues. They have problems with sleep. Uh, women, I see mostly women and children. Um, the women have 
menstrual irregularities. Um, they're having mood swings. Um, I also have uh, issues, women with, with issues with uh, autoimmune disease, thyroid conditions and disorders, and, and as such. Um, children mostly are coming with digestive issues and behavioral problems, uh, maybe even uh, learning. I see autism a lot. So those are just kind of the main, the core of, of, um, of yeah. conditions that I see mostly. Yeah. And would you say like most of those people have maybe tried some things already on their own or with another doctor and are kind of coming to you as like, nothing has worked. Like, what do I do? Yeah. A lot of, uh, mostly, you know, they've seen a primary care physician, an MD, you know, an allopathic doctor, uh, maybe they've been given, uh, some have been given options for like medications, uh, you know, things to take on a daily basis. And I feel like a lot of them are feeling like, you know, that's just a temporary solution. I want to fix, you know, I want a real, uh, healing. healing. Yeah. Yes. You know, so then they may turn to, like you said, self-help, like they're reading books and they're looking online and they're trying little things. Um, and I find a lot of those people also realizing that even sometimes those solutions are a little bit temporary and then they may stumble across me and then we get to work. Yeah. So how is your approach different than a, a traditional, not want to say traditional, like a modern medicine approach? Re yeah, sure. Um, so I look at the entire lifestyle of the individual. And because I do that, I naturally I'm going to spend more time with them in the first initial consult because I want to know everything. I want to know, are they pooping and what the poop is like? I want to know what are they eating? And I want to know how are they sleeping? I want to know what do they do as their regular routine? So I, I need a lot of information to better understand, you know, their issue with you know, uh, coming in and not being able to lose weight or having extreme fatigue. It's more than just, you know, all oh, here, take this and, and, you know, try this herb or this supplement and get a boost of energy. No, if you're not hydrated well, you're not going to have a energy. You know, if you're not right. eating the right foods, you're not nourishing your body. So yeah. uh, my approach is uh, very holistic and, I, and I'm looking at every angle to see where where the discord is and and how we can fill in the gap. Yeah, I love that so much because I know in my own experience and what I've heard from other people, you know, you go to a, a traditional like primary care physician, like you're slotted 15 minutes usually. And maybe you get two. you could talk about two things. I was literally in a, a doctor's office one time and I was charged extra for my appointment because I talked about more than two issues. Like I had brought up three issues that I wanted to discuss and so I got charged extra because I went over the apparent number of issues that I was like, what is this? That doesn't even make sense. <laughs> oh, oh it, it hurts my heart to hear those stories, but it does happen. Um, and unfortunately, you know, uh, to the doctor's credit, you know, like I try, I try to really be sympathetic to them because, you know, if they're working based on insurance, you know, they really do have to keep a very tight schedule in order to meet, you know, whatever their quota is for the day. Uh, unfortunately, us as the patients are the ones that get shortchanged sometimes in that exchange, because like you mentioned, like the 
the time allotted to you to really, you know, express what your concern is and, and to have the doctor look into it is really cut short. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that's unfortunate. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Well, it's, you know, it's all part of my life experience, too, and part of my learning journey. So it's kind of like you, you know, I don't regret the things that have happened and I've definitely learned from them. But yeah, you just kind of get wiser as time goes on and you're like, this doesn't really make sense. Like, right. <laughs> Right. Yeah, you seek something that is a better fit for you. So in the long run, it works out. But um, I saw a post of yours one time on social media where you talked about the five pillars of health. And I thought that might be really helpful for our listeners just to hear from a naturopathic doctor. Like, what are the five things that we should really be focusing on for, you know, lifelong health? Um, so I kind of want to walk through those with you, if that's okay. Um, I saw that your your first one was sleep, which you've already talked about a little bit. One of the things that you ask your patients about, which I think is wonderful. Um, can you kind of talk about that topic and why you have it as one of your pillars? Sleep is non-negotiable. Like if you're not sleeping, nothing else is going to go right. You know, sleep is a time where your body is able to reset and restore, regenerate. All good things happen at that time. Um, things are balanced out. And if you're not getting sufficient sleep for your body's needs, then everything else is going to have a trickle down effect on every other area of your life. And, you know, you can't out supplement sleep. You can't, you know, do without so that you can, you know, make more money or have, you know, more time doing other things that you think are more important. Sleep is essential. So um, I, I do think that's like the first pillar, um, set that straight and then everything else can follow. Yeah, that's a good idea. What are some, if people are having trouble sleeping, what are some tips for getting better sleep? I love to talk about sleep hygiene uh, because uh, as I've uh, matured in age, I mean, I when I came out of medical school, I'm telling you, I sleep was, that's all I needed to do. Don't, I didn't. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't need anything. I just wanted to sleep. Let me sleep. I'd be happy. Um, but as I, I've gotten older and, you know, running a business, having children, uh, sleep sometimes takes uh, a sidestep or, you know, gets yep. becomes a lower priority. But one of the things that um, I feel sleep hygiene is so important because, yeah, you may hear sleep is good. You need to sleep. But what what helps you to do that best? Right. I feel um, like so many mind. people struggle to sleep. Like it's a yes. big problem, like, you know, uh, insomnia or just trouble staying asleep or, you know, like trouble falling asleep. It's a big issue. Absolutely. So one of the things is making sure that the environment is set for sleep, you know, so in the bedroom really is is set for intercourse and sleep. That's it. There should be no screens in the the bedroom, TVs, laptops, you know, cell phones, at least not for use, um, tablets, Kindles, uh, those types of things. So oh, screen time, 30 minutes before bedtime, shut it down, you know, um, making sure the room is dark. So if you have windows or if you have electronics or if your Wi-Fi router, I, I think that's a huge no-no. But if it happens to be in the bedroom, shut it down at nighttime, unplug it, um, Night lights, get rid of them, clocks, digital clocks that project light, you know, take them out uh, and make sure the bedroom is solid, you know, pitch black, solid black. Uh, and then 
the, the temperature should be really chilled. It shouldn't be warm and cozy. You know, your blanket should be able to provide that warmth for you. Um, but the room itself should be at a cooler temperature uh, of several de degrees cooler than the rest of the home, or at least then you would keep it during the daytime to really promote better sleep. And then, of course, if you're trying those things, you're doing those things, and still there's some issues with sleep, um, to help you better fall asleep, I love to uh, encourage people to do things like Epsom salt baths or foot baths at the very least if you don't have a bathtub. Um, the magnesium in the Epsom salt helps to relax you uh, to unwind and fall asleep. Um, also doing things like uh, in the morning time, believe it or not, uh, in the beginning of the day to do um, alternating hot and cold uh, in the shower. Uh, to help kind of uh, like reset your your nervous system a little bit. And so when you do that consistently, that can help also to um, regulate sleep patterns for you later on in the daytime. And then uh, melatonin, of course, I, I love um, on a case by case ne as needed basis, starting with the smallest amount, you know, more is not necessarily better in the case of melatonin. Um, but a one milligram to five milligrams, you know, to start and increase over time, uh, depending on the effects to get you to get some uh, really good sound sleep. And then there's herbs that you can drink in tea form, um, which I like to encourage people to do and swap out for the alcohol that some people think, mm -hmm. um, you know, the wine at dinner time kind of helps them feel great. But the, the alcohol can really uh, disrupt your sleep as well. It's true. I I love the 30 minutes before bed turn off screens idea for a lot of reasons. You know, the blue light and the just the stimu nervous system stimulation and all those things. And so I think it's hard for people to make that switch because you're either watching a show till right before you go to bed or you're scrolling on your phone right before you go to bed or you're finishing some last minute emails or whatever. But so many things are related, even if you're making a grocery list. I mean, my grocery list is on my phone, so it's hard to get away from that. So I would just say like some things that I have done, um, I have turned off the Wi-Fi router at night. And so if you can't use your Wi-Fi, that is one kind of prompt to, okay, you know, stay off the electronics. And to make that easier, I put it on a timer so that my Wi-Fi um, just clicks off at, and on at a certain time. And then make some new nightly routines that are like that you're excited about, you know, like whether that's, you know, self-care type things like doing the foot soak like you recommended or doing uh, taking care, doing some skincare stuff or um, reading a book, you know, get a book that you're excited about. Anything like that would be better than the screen time. <laughs> so those are some of my nightly routines that I've incorporated so that I have a plan to fill that 30 minute gap instead of just being tempted to go back to a screen. Love it. Love it. It's true. It really is all, all it's about. It's just making a healthy switch, you know, uh, finding the things that will better serve you uh, for that purpose. Because unfortunately, we live very hectic lives. We're all super busy, have lots of responsibilities. And I am totally guilty of it. I have lots of gadgets and, and lots of electronics that I rely on to get things done or, you know, to help me out, to help me remember things. I put my grocery list in my phone as well. You know, I take notes. 
Um, but I try to keep like a, a pen and paper or a pencil near the bedstand to just do a brain dump at bedtime. That's also helpful for that some of the mm-hmm. um, patients I work with. Uh, just telling them, just jot down whatever comes to mind that you may be thinking of at bedtime that you're like, oh, let me just search it really quick before I go to bed. No, actually just write it down so that tomorrow you can take care of it, you know, uh, and then find a good book to read, you know, or read the Bible and right before bedtime and sip your tea and, you know, make a, a routine that's relaxing. Uh, and and like you mentioned, something that you can look forward to every night. Yeah, it's a great idea. Your second pillar is hormones. So why did you put that as one of your pillars? Because I am always talking about stress. Stress is huge because in my story, uh, my personal story that I shared, um, that was the underlying cause of my chronic highs from eight years old up until I was about 26 when I started uh, medical school. So at that time in my life, I was going through family dynamics, uh, a change in my family dynamics. And it was, for me at the time, exciting, but excitement is also a form of stress. And as a result, I internalized that and expressed it uh, in my condition. And so I find it very important to talk about like just how uh, your stress hormones, like namely cortisol, uh, can impact the other areas of your 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 health. So how stress impacts um, female hormones, how it impacts, you know, your mood, how it impacts even your sleep, you know, uh, digestive function. So hormones is a huge part in uh, the work that I do with uh, my patients, because if without understanding the influence of stress, then you just think, well, no, oh, this is just normal. Like I've I've had women think, you know, oh my PMS symptoms. This is just kind of what it's just been. This is this is how it is. This is normal for me. But uh, it doesn't have to be normal. You know, it can be better. So we talk about how to balance that and how to get uh, a more helpful or beneficial effect uh, by managing stress. So instead of just saying stress, I say hormones because it will influence female hormones, thyroid hormones, and so on and so forth. So. Yeah, it's really interesting to think about stress impacting female hormones. Um, so you're saying it can impact things like painful periods, infer- infertility, things like PCOS, um, all those type of hormones. Absolutely. Absolutely. Blood sugar hormones, um, hunger, satiety hormones, uh, everything it can be affected by stress, you know, and so stress is not necessarily the problem but how we manage the stress you know everyone's going to experience stress we're designed to to handle stress but it's the the way that we respond to the stress and how consistent the stress is in our lives you know uh then that will dictate you know to what degree of a severity it will have an impact on female hormones you know and 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 then the symptoms you experience as a result so what are some things that you personally do to intentionally care for your hormones? Well, I absolutely love practicing deep breathing. Um, that's been like so relaxing for me that it's free and you can use yes. it at a moment's notice. <laughs> yes. Anywhere, anytime for free. Any- that's <laughs> right. I love free things. <laughs> 
Um, but also too, I love moving my body. I have learned uh, to love roller skating. Uh, it's something that I picked up recently. So um, that and riding my bike and going for walks have been my go-tos for really helping uh, to manage my stress. Um, or yeah, the, manage my stress um, in in order to help um, make impact a, a positive impact on my hormones. And then of course, eating for hormones, you know, uh, I want to make sure that I'm providing my body with the things to keep those hormones in the right ratio. So um, I love the cruciferous vegetables, keep them in my diet. I love my sprouted, uh, my broccoli sprouts, you know, in my daily uh, routine, um, making sure there's fiber, always fiber uh, in my meals to help keep those bowels going is very important, you know, as the liver handles those hormones that we make sure that they are are packaged in our stool to exit our body so that uh, we get rid of them after we our bodies have done doing the work with them. Um, so I make sure to, you know, load my diet with fiber and um, make sure to keep my blood sugar stable, eating um, a decent amount of clean protein uh, throughout my day. And I, and I try to start my day in a way that doesn't um, spike my blood sugar. So I love coffee. Anyone that knows, I enjoy a great cup of organic coffee uh, almost every day if I can. Um, but I won't touch it until I've had a protein first with or some fiber first, you know, um, in order to make sure that I, I'm not just, you know, spiking my blood sugar with my delicious cup of joe. <laughs> yes, that's so good. Such a great tip and an easy switch to make, you know, just having coffee after breakfast. You'll have the coffee. Just have it after breakfast. <laughs> there you go. Enjoy that coffee. I'll tell you, enjoy. Make sure you enjoy that coffee. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, one of the things that I realized was causing stress in my life was relationships. And so just taking some time to learn about healthy boundaries and relationships and process my emotions and relationships was a huge thing for me in helping my, my stress hormones. Oh my, yes. That's so, that's a huge piece, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Sometimes that is, the source of the stress, you know, like <laughs> for everyone, it's subjective. It can be bills, it can be family, it can be friends, um, you know, it could be environmental stuff, toxins, your diet can be a stress. Uh, but yeah, definitely acknowledging and recognizing where where um, the stress is coming from and taking steps to reduce it or, or mitigate how it impacts you and, and taking control of it. Because like I said, you know, you you can't stop the stress, but you can definitely uh, manage how you react to it. And if that calls for establishing boundaries and relationships or, you know, changing your diet, getting counseling, yep. you know, whatever it takes. Absolutely. You kind of mentioned this already, um, but detoxification is your third pillar. And um, you say that, you know, out with the old and in with the new. <laughs> and I think... <laughs> The word detox is thrown around a lot, like, and I'm not sure that everyone has a clear understanding of even what it really is or how important it is. So can you just kind of walk us through the importance of this pillar and how that works in our body? Yeah, detox is, I like to uh, say to my patients, it's not a product or a package, you know, of products. Yeah. 
um, it's actually a normal process that your body goes through to protect you. That is so good. It's not a it's a process. I love that. Yeah. Everybody wants to. Yeah, you see that all the time. Here's the detox package, you know, but that's so good. It's something you're already your body is already doing. Yeah. Body does it every day for you to keep you well and you can support it or you can hinder it. Right. So I, I talk about this is and the reason why is because the one way you can have, have the what I think is the biggest impact on your body's detox abilities is by looking at what you're putting into your body, because essentially um, what you're putting into your body, that's mostly of where the detox has to happen. So everything you eat is not uh, going to be used by your body. Some things have to be are just waste are just, you know, excess and has to be gotten rid of. So if if you're not eating good quality to begin with, you're asking your body to do a whole lot of detox work. But if you're eating wholesome um, nutrition that maybe has some un unnecessary things added to it, then the detox is not doesn't need to be that intense. Right. Um, so that's one part of it. Uh, the other part is what you expose your body to and, and not only your body, but also your mind to as well. Right. Um, if you're putting toxic things on, on things that are not beneficial for your skin, you're absorbing that into your bloodstream. Uh, so again, your body's natural detox pathways have to clean that up to keep you safe and, you know, eliminate the things that are no good, um, for you from that, what you've been exposed to. And then of course, um, like I said, emotional, emotional, um, um, toxins, you know, those, those are some of the biggest, um, toxins and things that your body have to purge and get rid of. And you have to find a place. I kind of talked about that already, um, to, to make that, um, make that detox happen because that can have a significant and huge impact on your overall health. So supporting, Supporting your your body's liver, which is, you know, the largest, well, not the largest, but the main player in detoxification, uh, although your skin is the biggest organ of detox. So equally as much as what uh, you eat being as important as what you put on your skin is mm -hmm. uh, huge uh, for when it comes to detox. And then, of course, the kidneys also play a role as well in helping um, to maintain balance in the body and keeping things that are necessary and letting go of things that uh, don't serve your body well. Yeah, that's good. And it's an interesting thing that we just did in our house because in our homeschool group, our youngest kids are learning about the body. And one of the um, sentences that they had to memorize for science this last week is what are four parts of the excretory system? And they say four parts of the excretory system are urinary tract, lungs, skin, and intestines. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I look four so things in. These are my little, my little class of nine-year-olds on Mondays. Um, this is one of their memory work things. And so we got to talk through a lot of these things that we just shared about. Like these are all ways that our body detoxes. And so it's not just your, your poop and your intestines. It's also your lungs, like making it, you have clean air to breathe in and that you're are breathing well. I, I went through a season of time because of stress and stuff that my anxiety was making it literally hard for me to breathe and it affected my health in so many ways. And so 
that really is an important part of detox and your skin, like you said, not just what you put in, but making sure that you're sweating and getting those toxins out through your skin. And then your urinary tract, making sure that you're drinking plenty of liquids to flush out toxins that way. So it was a a interesting conversation to have with (laughs) nine-year-olds. Also, I love it. I, but you know, that's that's how the change really happens. That's yeah. the the most impactful changes in teaching the children because you, you don't want to wait until you become an adult and then, you know, you start facing health challenges to really understand this stuff. They, they're young enough and they're open to it. Teach them, you know? Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, another thought on that is thinking about sweating and stuff, just uh, the use of antiperspirants. Like I've really definitely gotten my whole family away from that and encourage people not to buy antiperspirants and remind them that it's natural and good for the body to sweat. Um, And also just like it's right if you put antiperspirants like the ingredients in those are so bad right on your armpit right by your breast tons of lymph nodes all in there which is part of your detox system as well. And so just one little simple tip like if you want to improve your detox like stop using antiperspirants. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Totally agreed. Make your own deodorant. It's so easy. There's so many recipes. uh, So easy to do. Simple. Um, And thank you for um, sharing that point because it's true. That's like, I think that was the first uh, healthy change that I made um, once I became a naturopathic medical student was ditching my deodorant. Yeah. Um, it, It was at a time where it's like, oh my gosh, to sweat that's normal that's natural I was like that's unheard of nobody wants to sweat like you know? yeah I'm not saying that it looks pretty all the time because <laughs> I sweat very easily and I get you know it's not fun to deal with sometimes but I just have to remind myself that it's okay <laughs> yes it is totally okay it is to- and there's excellent you know um deodorants that are natural that uh, you-, you can sweat but you won't be smelling you know exactly. funky or you know offensive um, but they work equally as well without the negative side effects, the negative impact, like you mentioned, on your breast tissue for women and men and your lymphatic system as well. Yeah. So we, number four pillar is stress management, which we've kind of talked about with stress hormones. Um, but could you maybe just talk about the long term effects of chronic stress? Like why is that, you know, taking care of that stress home hormone, making sure that you're managing your stress? What have you seen in your clinic um, for people dealing with chronic stress? Like, what are the outcomes of that? Yeah, chronic stress can lead to so many issues besides fatigue, um, right? Uh, but if you think about it, like when you're under a lot of stress, you're not making the wisest and the healthiest decisions at that time, you know? Uh, so, just that in and of itself, you know, that's where I see some of the patients I work with where they'll mention like, you know, I'll have a drink um, to relax and unwind. And one drink turns into many drinks, you know, and and maybe a problem or not a problem, but, you know, something that they wouldn't have otherwise done if they weren't in a very stressful situation. Um, Actually, research even shows us that uh, stress is the uh, major contributor to the six leading um, causes of death for us, Uh, cancer, uh, coronary heart disease, even uh, respiratory disorders, uh, cirrhosis of the liver, uh, suicide, and accidental injury, you know, so uh, stress is a huge problem. 
chronic stress mm-hmm. and the way to manage, you know, if, if not managed properly. Because again, everyone is going to experience stress in their lifetime. It was just how, how we deal with that stress, you know, and then what can happen down the line if we don't handle it well, you know, then the body has to compensate somehow. You know, you can't stay in fight or flight for a very long time. Uh, when I talk to my patients about chronic stress, like I, I give them the example of standing in the face of a tiger. You know, when you're standing in front of a tiger, think about what you'd be thinking about, you know? You're not thinking about digesting. Your body doesn't want to digest the the lunch that you just had, or you're not thinking about quality, good, REM sleep. You're not thinking about, you know, making the proper balance of hormones to maintain fertility. Instead, your your body's main soul, uh, main purpose is to get you out of the face of danger. And so what that tells your body is your brain starts to signal to the rest of your body, hey, stop everything else, stop all hormone production, just shut it down. And right now, just focus channeling all the blood that you can supply to your large muscles so you can get out of the face of danger. And essentially, that's what's happening when we have relationships that are not healthy for us, while we're looking at our bills stacking up on the table or we're having work-related stress or whatever. Or maybe it's, you know, um, traffic that you're in that causes you stress. Whatever your tiger is, um, it, it really just, it, it stops everything else from working well. And so when I see these patients that come to me with this chronic stress, it looks like hormone imbalances. It looks like I can't sleep, I'm fatigued. And also um, the digestive issues come up, right? Um, fertility problems. Um, because your your body's not in a relaxed state to allow those things to happen. Your, your thyroid won't work well. You'll gain weight very easily because of being in front of the tiger for too long. You know, so that is that's the problem is just being there too long. So we need to take that fight or flight uh, response and and shorten it. That should only last a very short period of time. And then your restful and relaxation response, that should have a much longer duration. And that's where all the magic happens. That's where the hormones get balanced, the sleep happens, the fertility, the healthy weight balance, right? All those things, digestive function, all those things happen in that state. Yeah. That's good. I think it's so good to put specific outcomes out there to like let people know that these things are actually related to stress because unfortunately stress is just so normalized in our culture and sometimes even glorified um, that we don't connect the dots, you know, that, oh, this is not normal to live in this much stress and, oh, my issues are actually related to you know, chronic stress. Some people don't connect those dots. And so I think that's super helpful. Let's deep dive into pillar number five. Pillar number five is nutrition. And we've already touched on it several times, which absolutely makes sense because all of these issues are not like isolated things, right? They're all very connected, um, which is why you practice medicine the way you do. Um, But let's kind of dive into nutrition and kind of spell out a few things for um, the listeners. Um, I noticed that how you described nutrition is fueling your way to radiant health. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, because, you know, as much as food should taste delicious, it 
there's really only one purpose for us to eat food on a daily basis, and that is to nourish our body, to fuel our body. The food contains nutrition that our body needs so it can do its job. It can keep our hormones coming and keep us feeling great and fertile. It keeps us um, feeling full and satiated. It keeps us having more energy. It allows us to, uh, you know, to grow and to overcome infections if we should, you know, get one. Uh, so this is the purpose of food. But unfortunately, uh, over the years, <laughs> for so many reasons, uh, one of them I, I usually like to say because of convenience, the need for convenience, you know, food has just become more tasty than nutritious oftentimes. And so uh, if you're not conscious of it, it, it's easy to get, you know, deceived and, and to believe that, you know, everything you eat should taste amazing and you only want to eat delicious tasting food, never mind, you know, what's the nutritional content of the, of the food. So I like to uh, always say, like, like, you know, your food should come from the ground. It should grow from the ground or grow on trees or it should eat grass or swim and live in the oceans you know and that's kind of like how you should think about food and, and making sure that your diet consists of that type of thing yeah that's absolutely i mean you talk about food being tasty you're so right because all the processed food they've added all the preservatives the msg the um, corn syrups, the natural flavors, all the things that trick our taste buds into thinking, oh, this tastes the best and this is what I want more of and more of and more of. And then we lose track of what our body actually needs. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And and even even like in that too, like in, for little children, like, you know, what is the thing that that our body is most made up of? We're more than 70% water, right? Uh, but nowadays it's so difficult sometimes for some parents to even feed their children water because they're so addicted or or so accustomed to having juices in their in their diet, you know, and they think water tastes disgusting, you know? But that's actually what our body needs. It's not the, the high fructose corn syrup. It's not the caramel color or the carbonation. It's the just water we need, yeah. you know? So that can have such a huge impact when people start making the small changes because it's, it's not it doesn't have to be a radical change you know for people that are accustomed to the convenience of the processed foods and you know if you're coming off of that lifestyle um it can be difficult for those people because usually it has some other connection whether it's convenience it might be emotional it it, it just might be affordability but whatever their reasoning for choosing you know, that kind of diet, um, it can be difficult, but water, just simply water. I, that's where we start. Yeah. I mean, honestly, the simple things are the best things most often, like, you know, keep your meals really simple, keep your drinks really simple. And that's usually the healthiest option. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And which is kind of a relief because if you are trying to transition to whole foods, real foods, nutritious foods, um, just knowing that that doesn't have to be fancy, doesn't have to take a lot of time. Um, it takes some learning to learn, you know, what real food is versus processed fake foods. Um, but it doesn't have to be fancy. And once you kind of learn what those foods are, 
it's actually pretty simple to put on a plate. Yes, yes. And and like you said, it's a huge relief because it doesn't lend you to hours in the kitchen or, you know, having to watch hours of cooking videos to learn how to prepare it. It's, it really is so simple. Yeah. So yeah. I cook a lot. So I would be in a lot of trouble if I had to spend <laughs> hours in the kitchen for every meal. I would I'd be so burnt out. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, this has been awesome. So we got the five pillars, sleep, hormones, detoxification, stress management, and nutrition. Is there anything else that's on your heart that you would just love to share with people um, before I, I have three ending questions for you, but I'll, I wanted to see if there's anything else that you had on your heart to share? Yeah, certainly. Um, one thing that I was thinking of that I love to do, which I forgot to mention before, uh, but I uh, you kind of alluded to it with uh, detoxification, right? Um, and hormone balancing. One of my favorite uh, kind of go-to things is the infrared sauna. is an excellent, excellent tool. If you if you can, if you can, you know, go to uh, a spa or a gym and access it. And there are companies that uh, sell personal uh, units. It's amazing for supporting. Uh, um, elimination of toxins and and excess hormones and as well as uh, just eliminating um, and promoting detox through the skin. It's so good, so refreshing, and it is definitely on the top of my um, daily routine as for what I do uh, for hormone health. But of course, everyone's different, you know, um, and certain people, like if you're experiencing neuropathy, um, or you're diabetic and you don't really have a lot of, uh, you, you know, sensitivity in your extremities, uh, you want to be careful with the detoxification and always check with your primary care before starting any new protocol or um, anything like that. But, it, you know, for everyone, you just have to find what works for you and, and, and go with it and start slow. You know, it, you don't have to do everything all at once. But uh, as we mentioned before, I think, uh, sleep is priority number one. And then, you know, of course, fueling your body will help in so many ways across the board. So I just wanted to drive that point home. Yeah. Well, that's great. So my three ending questions. Uh, number one is what healthy living resources would you recommend for someone that wants to learn more about health? So the uh, Environmental Working Group, ewg.org, um, is a really great site. Uh, it kind of talks about a lot of like um, environmental toxins in your uh, personal care products and um, and lifestyle and how they impact your health. And they do a lot of amazing work. Uh, so that's one that I, I love to follow and encourage um, patients to take a look at. Um, the other is the Weston Price Foundation. I love them. Um, I was always fond of uh, uh, Weston Price's work. Um, when I learned about it in medical school, I thought that was phenomenal. Um, at looking how nutrition can, like, it, it, it's so different from, you know, world cultures and uh, in comparison to where we are today with uh, the standard American diet. Uh, so they have an awesome Instagram um, page. So, I encourage people to look at that and um, browse that and, and go to their website. 
Well, could you tell us about your resources? Like how can people um, connect with you or reach out to you if they're interested in working with you? Certainly. Um, I am on Instagram at HHW Naturopathic. Um, I have a website uh, that I'll be launching uh, the end of this week on Friday. Uh, we revamped it. I'm really excited. Uh, it's um, www.hhwnaturopathic.com. You can find me there uh, and get some information about uh, the work that I do and what my practice is like. Good. That's great. Thank you. Um, second question is, what is your favorite healthy snack? Oh, my favorite healthy snack. It changes. It varies when I find new things. But um, I actually, I love to snack on dates. Mm -hmm. I love to snack on dates. They're sweet, they're filling, and they're quick. <laughs> so I keep them uh, handy. And um, that that's my favorite as of lately. That's what I've been snacking on. Dates. Yes. I like it. We like dates in our family too to sweeten different things. But I also like to uh, put peanut butter or almond butter in the middle and I'll freeze them like that. And then it's like, it's so delicious. I've heard about this. I And every time I buy them, I say, okay, this batch, I'm going to try them like that. <laughs> I just, I'm like, they're so good by themselves. At least they are. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Just that little bit of nut, nutty flavor. I just yeah. lo love the two together. But um, third question is, who would you love to see as a guest on the Daily Wellness Podcast? If you like tuned in and you saw, oh my goodness, that person's on the podcast. I have to listen. Like, who would you love to see? If I had to choose just one. I think I'd like to see Dr. Farr on the Daily Wellness Podcast. Dr. Farr is uh, an awesome naturopath who I met. Um, we took our boards together, and uh, she is um, she's a, a, a few years younger than me for sure. But she, <laughs> uh, I'm glad you said her because I said, "Tell me about him." So now I know the girl. Dr. Farr Robin. Yeah, she's a practicing naturopath, and um, she's a, a. I I think she's doing great things, and I I'd like to hear her share her story, which I we didn't have time to get into at the time where we fighting for boards, but um, I think she'd be a really nice addition. She's very uh, open minded, um, and very smart doctor. So I think uh, it'd be cool to see her in your your. Cool. Oh, great. Thanks for the recommendation. Yeah. <laughs> thank you for your time here. Thanks for sharing your wisdom. Thank you, thank you for what you're doing with your work and how you're helping people. Oh, thank you so much for allowing me to be a guest on your podcast and, and for the work that you've done, not only for yourself, for your family, and you're spreading it far and wide. I, I think it's very commendable and, and I appreciate you so much. Thanks for listening to today's episode on the Daily Wellness Podcast. We hope that you found it helpful for your own wellness journey. And if so, we'd love for you to leave a review. Then come back and listen for review shout outs on upcoming episodes. For more information, check out the show notes and connect with us on our website, dailywellnesscommunity.com.